Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm Larry Wydell, and before we get started, if you want to know exactly how to win again and again, go to WydellOnWinning.com forward slash webinar now to watch something I've put together for you. Now let's get going into this episode of Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm here with Mark Lickfett. He is the founder of Knife Aid, and uh, he's had many successes already in his short career with Knife Aid. And I'm going to take this uh, time to find out about how he launched that company and how it got it off to such a fast start. So welcome, Mark. Thanks, Larry. Good to be here. It's fun talking with you. And uh you, you had the idea, you know, you had many different things you did, but when you got, it, it's kind of like you were really prepared to do something big and fast when you got uh, the idea for Knife Aid. And so let's talk about taking an idea and making an idea into a business. How about that? Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, I believe in this sort of what's called agile approach in terms of really launching a prototype. I think even that one ties back into the sort of, yeah, don't hesitate, decide sort of credo is, is not over engineering. It, it was literally our first iteration of the website was, was super rough. The first kind of packaging material we used, we, we, and we just did reached out to kind of friends and family and have them try the service and, and yeah, just get it out there see what happens and, and that's why where we found out okay maybe, maybe this glue doesn't work because when it gets hot and maybe knives over this size don't work and and the, the, these issues and, and so forth we, we found all the teething problems um really early just by going out there with our hypothesis a, a simple prototype this sort of minimum viable product and, and just get, go out there and do it and then just be, be open-minded and realize didn't work, change, didn't work, change, get feedback from anyone and everyone and, and, and openly accept it and hear what needs changing. Um, so, so that was really the approach is, is hitting the ground running and not, not waiting too long to launch the product and not to overthink it. Well, you know, Mark, uh, this comes out all the time in talking to entrepreneurs that the great thing about launching your first launch even if it's a limited launch and even it's with insiders, you know, the people, you know, pretty well, that's really what they do with movies. And it? I mean, they call it market testing or something. They'll, they'll take a movie, they'll get a selected audience and of a thousand people or something like that, give them questionnaires, maybe pay them. And then they'll let them watch the movie and then they'll get the reaction, but you can do the same thing. And then they go back to the, into, uh, the editing room and make the adjustments and make, they didn't like the sad ending. They liked the happy ending. You know, they didn't like the middle part where she went off to college. They liked the middle part where she got married. And then, you know, uh, but anyway, they, they get the feedback and they know if they can get it past a thousand people in a way that'll probably go out to the world. And so this is not any different than that, but all the time we hear people say, you know, we, found out things right off the bat that we needed to fix. And I'll tell you, Mark, I had the same thing happen on Saturday. I, uh, I'm a painter in addition to the other 
you know, I, I've got a restless spirit, so I wind up doing a little of everything. But I have uh, my paintings, and we're trying a different thing on the marketing now. So somebody came, you know, we've got a girl working with us out of Miami, and she's suggested studio tour. So people like to come into the studio. So we said, okay. And so we had a studio tour, and it's in an industrial uh district over here off way off the right next to the railroad tracks by the way and uh uh hard to get to and then it's you know we got fencing around and you got to get through the gate well we found out that after about three of the we we're only there for about four hours we found out in the third hour we found out that a ton of people were parking outside the parking instructions were good but how you got from parking on the side of the road inside the fence and found the right door inside the compound. Uh, nobody could figure that out. So they would just drive off. And of course, you know, the staff said note to self next time, better instructions here, 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 you know, overdo the signs as one of my principals would know, not just do it, but we'll overdo it. You know, there'll be three different ways that they'll know, uh, where to park, how to get in, what door to go to, turn left, turn right. And, but it's such an obvious thing. We should have thought of that, but we didn't. And we had so many other things. Like when you launch a business, I'll promise you there's going to be lots of obvious things you didn't think about because you just didn't have time. And it's funny how this played out of my own life in a simple situation uh, just this weekend. I mean, we deal with these things all the time. It's not going to change, is it? No, and it's, and it's crazy how the, those details can then kill your business, how it's really, yeah. the details are so essential and it's, it's just exactly. And yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I had, um, I had the, the short little time I, I did work in corporate in that car company. I, I loved the guy who, who ran it and he was really a very big cheese, but he would walk through the car dealership every morning he'd park in one of the customer spots and walk through the car dealership and look at everything and when he visited other dealerships that, that, that he was responsible for he'd always work through the shop and he'd pick up pieces of paper he'd close the door somewhere and is this really all those details matter and really being in your customer's shoes and and playing it through is so essential it's, it's crazy and it's so easy to forget because it feels so mundane but it's just so essential for for sales isn't it and I never, I don't think I ever mentioned this on here. My gallery, where you could find the paintings, is Axion Gallery, A-X-I-O-N, which is for dark matter, by the way. <laughs> so, and I want to talk art. We need to talk art then at some point, because I still, I've started an art publishing company and we have a big framing workshop and, and we publish, for example, Herring, Keith Herring for Europe, Warhol for Europe, Picasso. Um, so I'm a big art guy and, and, and there's another, it's, we have a proper big framing factory and everything in the UK. So I love arts and it's also such an interesting niche and there's so much left to be done in that niche. Well, you and I are going to be talking more then because, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I saw that that was in your bio, but uh, is that still going on? Yeah, I'm still, I've, I've only had a conversation. It's obviously a little bit tricky with the UK time and everything, but this morning, no, I'm still a shareholder. I'm on the board. And it's just such a it's just such an amazing product and it's it's also something i mean it's also so primal with art and it enriches people's lives to such an extent that that i know i'm, I'm glad to still be involved there and lots of great people and, and great opportunities like you talk about kind of openings whether it's museums well or it's you know what i love about art you know we're digressing but what i love about art is that 
you, you talk to people about things they like. You know, you don't get in there and you're talking politics and take, you know, some people, you know, in photography will do photojournalism and, you know, all of the bad things of the world we take pictures of. But most of art is about positive things, looking for uh, encouragement. And those are the kind of conversations and people you meet. You can expand on that. It's so much fun. I, I got involved in it when I was, uh, uh, my father was stationed at uh, Camp Darby over in Tuscany. And we would, you know, early, early teens, we would go to Rome and Florence constantly. And so in and out of those museums. So that's how I kind of got the bug and started painting abstracts and doing uh, photography from the time I was 12, 13 years old. And once it gets in you, you know, you, uh, it, it never leaves. But, it, you know, it's a, the pleasant side of life. The reason why that applies here is the whole reason for you to keep, you know, put yourself, those of y'all listening, through what you're doing now is so that you can add that quality of life, that fun side of life, that you can be, you can get in that positive groove yourself to where you're moved, of course you're working, of course you have trials and everything, but you're basically uh, li living a quality life because you're making things accomplished that matter to you. You're not being bullied into this, bullied into that. You're moving ahead towards things that you know are important to you and you really don't care what anybody else thinks, but you're, it, it creates a satisfaction and confidence you can't get any other way. And, uh, you know, this all kind of ties in together. And so the art side of it, I'm going to have uh, Luna call you and, uh, and, and let you know what we're doing. So, you know, this, maybe this will be good for both of us, but tell us about, tell us about how you got, how do you go to shark tech? You know, and, yeah. and that was pretty quick in the game, right? Yeah, we, I mean, we were we were super super lucky um, that they actually reached out to us. So there, there sort of there seem to be two processes. One is where you apply and, and you go to castings, and and it's it's quite a convoluted process because obviously so many uh, yeah thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs want to go. We were really lucky. One of the executive producers actually ordered from us because they make a point of trying new products. So he tried us and then reached out and says. Uh, Kind of where are you guys at uh, development wise and, and do you want to be on the show so then we had to do send them a video and, and just they, they wanted to make sure we can we're decent on camera but that, that was the extent of the the process so it was really really lucky that they reached out and they liked us and, and they brought us on the show that way and so uh what kind of uh hoops did you have to jump through to get to where you look decent on camera yeah, I think it was more that it was kind of just a, a pass fail sort of scenario. I think they just oh, had okay. a tape and they said, ah, we can't have those guys on national TV. That's not going to work. Or yeah, maybe that maybe that might work. And, and we just, were just lucky we got the, caught them on a good day, I think. Now, how did they, you catch their notice? Uh, you said they used the service, but uh, how did they fi find you to even know that you had the service were you advertising on facebook were you advertising local i think it was instagram i think they found us on through our instagram ads and really? i think they are obviously they're, they're sort of it's part of their job is just to find new niche services that are kind of novel and different so so they're on the lookout for that sort of thing and, and the guy who one of the executive producers 
who tried us, he, he was also a cook. So he just like, you know, enjoys cooking. So he, he, he just thought, oh, this is great to try. This would be fun. And it's just, it's just something different for the show. Hey, listen, there's a lot of information online, but there aren't a lot of people who have actually done something. In my case, I've actually built a successful business that's accrued over $5 billion in assets under management and has done well even during trying times. Now, if you want to know exactly how I've done this, go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now. I've compressed a decade of learning into five short weeks just for those of you who want to give yourself an incredible advantage and are tired of waiting and watching others move up. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, like you were not, you and I were in that role. We would be, I'm sure we'd have the pressure on us to get a variety of things, different things, you know, it's like uh, people get bored with anything, but I'm sure that was a novel type thing, but what was that like to go through that? Did you expect a big deal? Did you get what you expected? Did you know what to expect? How, you know, when you start a new company, how far along were you before you were on there? Were you even in business a year? Yeah, we, this is, we, we'd been trading really for, I mean, because the filming was a couple of months before it aired. So we, we'd been in business six months only. And, and what we did is, and it was quite funny because both my, my partner who set to help me set up the business and, and I, we, we, because we've both have had business in the past and it's sort of, we, 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 when we were driving there at six o'clock in the morning from kind of from Malibu into the, the, the studios here in LA, we, we, we literally said, okay, this, this actually has a massive downside because we could forever more completely ruin our, our reputation on national TV. And we said, maybe we should go to Palm Springs instead and just sit by the pool and get drunk um, because this is this is maybe the risk is just simply too high to go on to the show so we're sure. definitely mindful that there's a there's a downside to it um, and then it's also intimidating the whole thing is it was definitely intimidating because it's so high powered um, but then obviously we said no we'll go and we'll give it a try but we we didn't know what to expect and I think the outcome was much better than than what we could have hoped for what did you do with the money and how did it help <clears throat> um it's basically it's marketing. I mean, most of the funding we have goes into marketing. It's because the, the kind of production that was all set up, we had financed all that, and it is really the customer acquisition and just getting more people to understand that the service exists and why it's beneficial to sharpen knives and how easy it is. And once people try it, you, you can buy a subscription. Once people try it, they come back and they subscribe and they because a lot of us in the head, it's so hard to remember what the sharp knife knife feels like. So once you hold one in your hand again and you cut with it, you go, ooh, that's what it was like. This is so much nicer. And then they make a point of coming back. So it's really custom acquisition is, is what all funding goes to. Well, one point to bring out for everybody uh, is the obvious is you're considering options. You, you're going to have to go in the direction of a product or a service. <laughs> and when you have a product, a product uh, you got to make it, you got to have factories, you got to store it, you got to show it, you got to tote it around, you have to improve it. And, uh, you know, you have the competition on your product. People say, oh, I never thought of that. And so I can make a better one because you've so you see, given them the uh, example. And so products, uh, there's a lot more to a product than just having a service like you have. Yes. Uh, you didn't have to build a factory. 
But at the same time, usually the margins are an awful lot better with the product and scaling is easier. So it's it's really, I think so too, it's e easier to get a product off the ground, but then it's 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 harder to scale it and make it as profitable. I think building a valuable business takes a bit longer. So, And how do you, uh, how are you evaluating your business in Knife Aid versus your business, uh, say, in the framing business? How do you mean evaluate? Yeah, how do you, in other words, where it's a it's an entity unto itself that possibly could be sold, let's say. Well, they, they're entirely, yeah, they, they have nothing to do with each other, the, the two businesses, and it's different teams, different owners, different everything. Um, I think it's it's more more that I've moved on from the art business operation. So there, are other, there are other people running that already, that Ent entirely, without yes. you. You're just yes. an investor. And I mean, I'm, the, I'm sort of founder and former CEO, and now I'm just a, a very active board member and sort of sounding board to, to yeah. the team and everything. And um, so are you planning to have that same career path with uh, Knife Aid? I mean, it, it depends. I think some, some businesses are easier, easier sold than others. So I think it depends. I mean, the art business is both because it's a labor of love and then it is not, there, there are no obvious buyers for a business in the art space because it, yeah, it's right. not, because it's, we're, we're more artsy and, and the museums, they, they don't buy that sort of thing. The, right. the galleries are small. So it's not really a space where, where it's, it makes more sense to turn a business into a cash cow and just hold it. Um, than it is, especially when it's so much fun. Whereas in other spaces in all the previous companies, for example, an agency, I mean, an agency is, a marketing agency I've started, that's so easy to sell and, and they get sold and bought all the time. And, and then it's easier to just sell it and, and move on. So I think it depends on with knife aid. It's interesting. I mean, there might well be, because all the big knife manufacturers, they have um, need, need for our sort of service. So it might well be that one of the big knife brands might buy us. It could be somebody like it's, a Sonoma, there many buyers. It's the kind of thing, you're at the point where you're just gonna grow that thing as big as you can, as fast as you can and see what it turns into. Is that what you're saying? It's it's sort of I've, I've always found that I mean I, I like starting a business and actually thinking about kind of who who are potential buyers and what would they appreciate in a business. So I like to start with a sort of the end in mind, but then I also know that really it's the easiest to sell a business when you don't want to sell it. So so if right. it works really well and grows nicely and is profitable or, or well funded, um, then then it's the easiest to sell. So I think I like to start with the end in mind, but then keep a very open mind about it during the the journey. Well, that causes you to do the right things, you know, because you're building a business where one way or the other, you can be independent from it operating, whether you own it or not, because you built it and you put it in place where it will run itself uh, uh, to a large degree. And uh, rather than being sloppy and, and letting some of the key pieces uh, not get done uh, due to time constraints or whatever. And so tell me about, do I have to make uh, some apologies here for, for attacking the life coaches and the, uh, <laughs> no, I think, I think actually now thinking back to it, I think what you said is, is in one of your episodes, I think it's yeah. the, the life coaches that don't know what they're talking about because they haven't done any of this themselves. They haven't done anything. You know, that's... So I think it's the people who, who don't, who speak from books rather than from experience. And, and I try to coach from a, a sort of a, point of experience and, and hard knocks and lessons learned rather than from books I've read. So, so it, it, so I, I was kind of misquoting you probably. It sounds like you, 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 you mainly used uh, what you got out of that 
to uh, grow your own business and kind of tighten up your your thinking uh, uh, for yourself rather than uh, as a way to make money. You know, it's kind of like people, the people that uh, I really need. It's it's like someone who wants to give you a uh, golf tip and they can't break 90. You know, you're out in the driving range and they want to give you a golf tip and they can't play golf, you know, but they want to, somehow they want to help you. It's like, shut up. Yes. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like, or somebody that's just had lunch with three professional golfers and heard them talk about the game and then got out in the range and seen them swing. And then all of a sudden now they've got golf. No, you don't. Uh, you know, uh, the sideline commentators, exactly. It's, it's, that's definitely the worst. Yeah. And so the thing, well, since we're on the subject, I'll wrap it up. What I resent about it is the fact that so many great people, you know, you're naive and you're vulnerable when you're at the startup stage, which is when you're paying the most attention to those people mm. and you can follow them exactly and fail because they didn't have all the pieces in there, you know, cause they didn't know all the pieces and you think it's your fault, you know, and you think I'm, and you assume I'm not good enough and that's wrong. And uh, you just got to stay at it a little longer, you know, because most people fail. So many people fail stupidly. They go 98, 94, nine percent of the way and then they say i'm just not good enough no you're not quite good enough dummy <laughs> keep working <laughs> you're, you're almost good yeah. enough you know <laughs> i'm so with you and so anyway that's why uh that's what my point is all that that's why it's such a great thing to hear uh have you on and share today and mark i I was really pleased and happy, you know, to hear that you've listened to uh, uh, some of the episodes and knew the mindset and appreciate what we're trying to do here and uh, was willing to jump in. What do you notice from listening to other people talk that, uh, you know, you're obviously very knowledgeable and uh, got great instincts about how to react to situations. What, why is that a good time, uh, a use of your time? Uh, to listen to uh, some of these things. Yeah, it's. I mean, what I, what I loved about listening to different episodes is is that they're just so varied, and 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 you do such a great job of letting people take it in in their direction in a way. So so I I like it that it's. I think for me it's a combination. I, I love the episodes because we talk art as well with Seth Resnick. I love those because he obviously he's winning, but he's winning and he might well be winning monetarily as well, but he's winning in so many other kind of life dimensions and, and has such a great way of, of viewing that. So, so that I loved, um, which is, yeah, which, which kind of helps to reinforce some of my ideas and then it opens up blind spots, but even other episodes, it's just, it's just great to hear what other kind of switched on people are, are doing and how they're putting it, how they're phrasing it. There's also just some of the, yeah, some, some of the, I think some of the episodes I took away a min, mental image that sort of an idea that I also had, but the image I didn't have. So I think it it's, helps to reconfirm some of the things I want to do more of, and it helps to highlight some of the blind spots 
um, that I have, just because I'm obviously different background, different personality, and, and, and there might just those blind spots, it's great to have them highlighted, and, and in a way some of your guests, they just complement my worldview or my character and, and experience, so. Um, yeah, I, I get the same thing out of it, Mark, and, uh, you know, steel sharpens steel, and people that are really uh, got a real strong backbone and a really sharp going through life they can help sharpen you and because they're already pretty sharp you know but life will make life it's like your knife folks life if you if you live you're gonna run into things that are gonna take the edge off of you and you got to have ways of sharpening yourself back up and part of it is to spend time with positive uh high energy people that are on the attack, doing things, learning things themselves, you know, not the people that are making a lot of excuses and whining. In other words, the people are still uh, got their foot on the accelerator moving forward through life rather than backing off and, you know, looking around, looking for, you know, being scared and intimidated by things. You know, that's not going to do you any good. That's going to dull you. And so you really need to evaluate uh, the voices that come into your head, are they inspiring you? Are they sharpening you up? Are they energizing you? Are they sucking the life out of you? <laughs> yeah, I like what you did there. It's the steel sharpened steel that obviously very much resonates with me. But it's exactly, it's exactly like you say. It's, it's really nice. And it's not always easy to get access to those people readily. And it's nice. I just pick up the podcast and, and get that sort of boost. Of, so, I, yeah, no, it's, it's great. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Mark. Look forward to talking to you again down the road and hearing uh, the next chapter of Knife Aid and whatever else comes your way. Uh, I just feel like you're, you've got a lot of adventures in front of you, and uh, I want to see that house out in Malibu. My brother's up. Uh, my brother worked for Tom Petty for 40 years, mm -hmm. and he was a right-hand man, and uh he lives right up the road there in uh, uh, Santa Maria, up that way. And so I've got to go up there and see the, uh, the kids sometime soon. And so I'm going to look you up, man. Perfect. You're always welcome. All right. Great talking with you and uh, look forward to uh, your next adventure. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Larry. If you enjoyed what you've heard and are dead serious about finding out for yourself exactly how this works in the real world, I've taken the most valuable business lessons I've learned over 40 years and put them into something for you to watch. Go to whiteellowinnie.com forward slash webinar now in order to move up as fast as possible. I'm Larry Whitell and I run the Million Dollar Mastermind. Go, go, go.